What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of the Mike and Dave Podcast. We've got what may be a shorter-than-usual show tonight, or today, whatever time of day you're listening. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to our usual segments, and we're going to have, as you may have seen from the social media post that we put out today, an update to our top 25 NBA players list. Some going up, some going down. We'll talk about not every member of this 25 list, but some standout movers. But before we get to any of that stuff, we have to do off the top. We get to do off the top. And it is Dave's turn to bring the prompt, so I will kick it over to him. What's up, everybody? This is Dave. And if you are like us and you're a Falcons fan, or even if you're not a Falcons fan, then you've probably seen stuff going around about, like, are the Falcons a quarterback away? Uh, because, you know, the Falcons have actually played pretty well on defense this year, that loss against the Titans notwithstanding. Um, and, you know, the the ground game has been pretty good. You know, there are good skill position players. It's just the the play from the quarterback position has been middling at best, disastrous at worst um, from Ritter. And then <laughs> Heineke wasn't terrible, but he's not the, the long-term solution. So, Mike, let's say that you're Terry Fontenot. You're the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. This is obviously very hypothetical. Um, and none of these guys are getting traded. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. This is just a purely hypothetical exercise, but I think it's interesting to think about. So let's say every quarterback in the league is available via trade. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three different options, just so we're not here all day. Um, but I'm gonna give you three different options, and I want you to tell me how many first round picks you would trade to get each quarterback, if any. Maybe you say I don't want to trade any first rounders for these three guys, but. I just, just, you know, as a pure thought exercise, want to put this to you. How many first round picks would these guys be worth? So the first guy I want to throw out there, Tua Tagovailoa. If you're Terry Fontenot, how many, if any, first round picks are you giving up for Tua? Tua is balling this year. Uh, on my fantasy team, well, mm-hmm. one of my fantasy teams. Importantly, the one on in which I have money on the line. So appreciate him for that. Um, I would definitely give up some first rounders for him. That's not going to be one that where I'm like shaking my head no. Uh, two or three, two, uh, th- two, uh, maybe three, <laughs> two or three. Yep. Okay. That, yeah, that's gonna be my answer for two. So like two, maybe three, or like two and like a second and a third or something like that. Okay. Um, The next one I'm going to throw at you, Trevor Lawrence. 
obviously a generational prospect who hasn't quite lived up to the billing so far. He had a good year last year, this year not looked so great, but the potential's there. What are you saying? I would do too. I think the market right now is more expensive for Tua because he's actually balling. And it's not like he was a crappy prospect to begin with. I think the appeal of Trevor Lawrence still exists. Certainly enough for two first-rounders to me, if you're the Falcons. But whatever Tua is worth, Trevor Lawrence right now is worth a little less. Okay. Now, you know, I had to ask Patrick Mahomes, how many first round picks are you giving up to get arguably the best quarterback of our generation? Maybe not even arguably. I feel like that's just fact at this point. I, I was going to say, arguably is pretty uh, gratuitous to everyone else that's played quarterback. Um, let's see. Let me do some math real quick. Right now, it's 2023. If I live till I'm 80, that would be, <laughs> let's see. Um, <laughs> that would, we'd be looking at like 2069. So, like, or no, I did that math, whatever. Um, 2074, that's 49 or 51 years from now. So, 51 minus 1, so that I could see us get a first-round pick the last year of my life. So, 50. I would give up 50 first-round picks for Patrick Mahomes because, wait for it, there's a method here. If we get Patrick Mahomes and and he plays out his career here, we're going to win one. Absent Patrick Mahomes, I don't know that the Falcons are winning a Super Bowl in my lifetime. So to me, <laughs> I'm letting it fly. I'm assuming you actually want a serious answer to go along with it, and the answer to that is five. Okay, because I'm like, because if you're Terry Fontenot, how much do you do? Which, like, he's not necessarily going to be the Falcons GM for the rest of his life. I mean, I hope not. Um, no offense, Terry. But <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> but okay so you're saying five for Mahomes like two maybe three for Tua and two for Trevor Lawrence let's say you're going back and forth with the Jaguars and they're like we want four first rounders and maybe we'll like throw in a you know a third here and a fourth here and whatever do you still do it same for Tua so I would, let's see, I think for Trevor Lawrence, I would go up to three if we're getting like a fourth or something back. And okay. for Tua, I would do what you described. Um, four, but we get like a third and fourth back. I would do that. Okay. Mahomes, let's say they want seven or eight first rounders. Deal. See, that's what's crazy is I agree. Like, it's it's crazy that one player can be worth so much, but like 
we've seen it. Mahomes is going, I mean, yes, Andy Reid is a big part of it. Yes, Travis Kelsey is a big part of it. But I still think that even without those guys, he's, I mean, we kind of saw it with Tom Brady, right? Like, not that I want to go ahead and say Mahomes is the next Tom Brady, because that's, you know, hyperbole at this point. It could happen, but, you know, we'll see. Um, I still think that he could go somewhere else and be very successful. I think he's just that talented. And that's just what, you know, getting a franchise quarterback can do for you. It puts you in that position where if you, you know, for whatever reason, you just wanted to blow the whole thing up, you could get a treasure trove of picks in order to rebuild your team however you saw fit. And, you know, yeah, you're you're giving up this great quarterback, but at least you'd be able to, um, you know, get a lot of really good pieces to build, a, you know, rebuild your team. But that just shows hitting on your franchise quarterback is so essential when it comes to the draft, which is why Falcons stop winning games. I know it's hard to hear. I know that we could definitely win the NFC South. I'm just here to say it's just not worth it. Desmond Ritter, not the guy. That's that's kind of my thought process. But again, I think this exercise just goes to show how important it is to you know, when you're in those positions to make the right, you know, make the right pick and land your franchise guy. Yeah. I mean, realistically GMs lose their jobs over not getting that draft pick. Right. And it's because like you said, it is often going to be the difference between winning a Super Bowl. Or riding that treadmill of mediocrity, which we in Atlanta are far too accustomed to riding. Heed our words, Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Blank. Um, That is all. So that's going to wrap up off the top. When we come back, we are going to uh, break down our updated top 25 NBA players to start this season. Okay, so as Mike said at the beginning of the episode, we put out a social media post today with our updated top 25 players to start this NBA season. Um, We've done this a couple of times before, so if you haven't already, make sure to head over there, pull that up, because we're not going to read out the list to you or anything. We're just going to highlight a few players. So, you know, if you haven't already done so, make sure you do that. And without further ado... I'm going to ask Mike to go ahead and talk about the first player we're going to highlight. Um, Just to clarify, we're each going to talk about a couple of players in our top 25 that either have moved quite a few spots or are new entries into the top 25. Um, And then after that, we're each going to highlight one, um, one player that dropped out of the top 25 and kind of explain why that happened. And then we're each going to talk about one player that we think has a good chance of entering the top 25 by the end of the season if they perform up to their potential this year. So, Mike, who do you have um, as your first player to talk about? Yeah, for sure. So be sure to go check that post out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. So that 
first change to our top 25 NBA players. Victor Wembanya. I'm kidding. He is not on this top 25. <laughs> For everyone that just spit out your drink, we're good. We're not that far gone. We're okay. We don't work for the ESPN. First actual... <laughs> not yet. Or Bleacher Report. <laughs> and it's because you're not sharing this podcast enough. You know, help us get there. No. Um, no, our first change is Shea Gilgis Alexander moving from 11 to 8. SGA is a top 10 player in our books. Now, discussing SGA's ascension. I think starts with talking about the two that were directly ahead of him going down. That's Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. We've seen enough, or rather, we haven't seen enough of them on the court. We've seen enough of their missing time. And let's be clear, in any given game, I would rather have a healthy Kawhi or a healthy KD. But that's not fully what we're getting at in this list. There's some projection here. We're looking at going into the season, perhaps even going towards the playoffs. And are we going to get a full season, a majority of a season from KD, from Kawhi? Probably not. It's been a long time since we've seen 60 games out of them. We know what we're going to get from SGA. A lot of games played and a lot of production therein. I mean, look last year when he was dropping 31 a game. And now, mind you, this is just three games into the season. But we're looking at averages of 24 points, just under seven rebounds, seven assists, about two and a half steals, a block a game, and only two turnovers per game. You know, usually when... We see like a lot from point guards, those really high numbers. It's paired with like three, three and a half turnovers, but SGA takes care of the ball. He scores efficiently and often. He plays at least decent defense. He rebounds the ball. He um, he shares the ball. Like he's great and consistent, reliable. So we th- felt that he deserved to be moved up into that top 10. I mean, eight is where we have him. And some other guys, like, we believe in the talent. We know what it is. But we also know the lack of availability throughout the season. And if that changes, we'll change the list accordingly. But for now, there have to be consequ- there has to be some consequence for missing games or you know not being available for the big ones or what have you and some rewards for being available for those games and playing well in them definitely as we always talk about you know the best ability is availability and you know when we were talking about this list we were saying you know would we rather have 75 to 80 games of you know this player or would you rather have 60 games or 50 games of this player? And it's just, it's hard to argue against the guy who's going to be out there, you know, 25% or more of the time for the, you know, for the regular season. It's just, it's hard to do that. Um, especially guys like, for instance, Jimmy Butler is, is one 
who we have at number 14. So we bumped him up by a couple from 16. But like, yeah, he did really well in the playoffs. Um, and so he got a little bump. But, you know, not everybody is also playing that well in the playoffs after not being as available during the regular season. So it's always some give and take. Um, kind of on the same token of what we're talking about. Um, but we're almost contradicting ourselves a little bit. And it's Anthony Davis moving from 25 up to 19. And honestly, I feel like this might be the year where AD stays healthy, perhaps, maybe. Um, the, the thing is, when Anthony Davis is healthy, he is arguably the most, like the biggest game wrecker in the NBA, um, both offensively and defensively. He can pretty much do it all. He's extremely talented. And, you know, we give him a lot of crap on this podcast for not being available. Um, you know, kind of like those things that we were just talking about with, with Kawhi and KD, you know, not seeing that as much. It's almost like for, for me, um, I just, I just have a feeling that Anthony Davis is going to stay healthy this year and he's going to really dominate and remind everybody how talented he is. Um, I don't really have too much, like, I don't really have anything to back that up other than the fact that it's a gut feeling. Um, but also, like, when you look at some of the guys right below him, there's no one that can compete with his level, like, it, his level of two-way versatility and skill and, and dominance, honestly. So, we'll see. Again, this is subject to change. If he ends up, you know, hurting his foot or his ankle or his knees or any of the other maladies that that he's encountered, um, then you know maybe we'll we'll adjust the list accordingly. We'll be like, okay, never mind. We're never going to trust you again. Um, but this is kind of like this is your last chance, dude. Like you gotta you gotta play like 60, 65 games at least um, in order to you know to qualify. I almost wonder. If, you know, moving forward, if we should do the same as the NBA is doing and be like, you have to play 60 games in order to qualify for this list, <laughs> um, because, you know, it's just it's kind of tough when when you, they're not available. But like I said, Anthony Davis, I hope, honestly, just for basketball's sake, not that I'm a Lakers fan or a Kentucky fan or anything. I'm definitely not. It's just it would be nice if we could actually see what Anthony Davis could do if he was able to play 65 games a year. It, it would just be so unbelievably fun to have one season in the NBA where all the players don't get hurt. I mean, beyond just like the humanistic, like not wanting people to be hurt, you know, like just imagine the basketball that we'd be, that would be played where, Every time the two LAs play, it's Kawhi, Paul, George, LeBron, AD, like amazing. Zubots. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> the goat himself. You, you didn't mention the, the third member of the big three. What was I thinking? That's my bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, looking at our 25, there are clear four that were the hardest to rank, and that was. Kawhi, KD, AD, and Kyrie. 
the perennially unavailable. So, speaking of Kyrie, we have a new addition to the top 25, and it's a guard that we have put above Kyrie. At number 18, we have Jamal Murray. The Nuggets have done it. They've won the championship, and I'm going to pat myself on the back real quick and say, like, you know, after that injury to Jamal Murray a couple seasons ago, I had said, like, a healthy Jokic and Murray in the playoffs is a championship team. Murray is finally able to play in the playoffs. They win the championship. Like, I like to own when I'm wrong, but on the few occasions that I get to be like, oh, I said, hey, look at that, then I'll do that too. Um, with Jamal, the kind of tricky thing here is like, for a lot of these other guys, we look at them in their capacity to be the best player on the team, and Jamal Murray isn't asked to do that. But you look at the skill. You look at the production that he gives you. Whenever, like, you know, injury aside, he's not missing games, like, without there being some severity there. You know, with with Kyrie, with AD, with Kawhi, a lot of the a lot of times they'll miss games, and we're just like, I wonder what that was. Was it from that injury you had four seasons ago, where now you just like sometimes you just need to like relax? No, if Jamal Murray misses a game, like something's up. Otherwise, he's there and he's efficient like all the time. I mean, you look at him now, you look at him last season in the regular season, and most importantly, you look at him in the playoffs. In the regular season, he's going to be a 20-point-per-game score. He's going to get you like six or seven assists per game. He's going to get you around four rebounds. And he only steps that up in the playoffs, where he was dropping almost 27 a game. Uh, and the shooting, it's efficient. He shoots like 40% from three more often than not. He is in the mid to upper 40s in field goal percentage. He's an efficient free-throw shooter. Um, the defense isn't great. I wouldn't really call him like a major liability or anything. Uh, I think he's passable defensively. I mentioned him being, you know, second up on that team. But there's not really a more lethal duo in basketball right now, is there, than Jokic and Murray? It'd be hard to find one, at least in terms of, like, who's regularly playing. I know, like, you know, we have LeBron and AD for just, we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but, like, I mean, you can look at the list. Jokic is our number one. And is there, how many better Robins are there right now? Yeah, I mean, Giannis and Lillard is, that's pretty tough, but we haven't seen it. And, you know, Giannis has won a championship with, you know, Chris Middleton as his Robin, and he's still there too. So there is that. But in terms of two players who plays as well together, I mean, I think the combination of Murray and Jokic is just, I mean, it's basketball magic, to be honest. So we felt like Jamal Murray deserves some recognition. Um, and, you know, he's always been a killer in the playoffs ever since he he came up. So it was great to see him healthy again. Obviously, such played such a key role. You know, yes, Jokic stole all the headlines and rightfully so. But without Murray, they they don't they don't pull it out, I don't think. So... You know, shout out to him for making it into our top 25. 
And I'm going to also talk about uh, a player who made it into our top 25 for the first time. Probably no surprise if you have been, you know, following this guy's kind of rapid ascend. It's Anthony Edwards, Ant-Man, Team USA's new alpha, question mark? Um, I mean, this is a guy who has had all the talent in the world um, ever since he got, you know, drafted number one overall. And he is finally starting to figure it out. Um, I mean, you talk about explosive bounce. You talk about um, when he's locked in one of the best, you know, premier defenders in the NBA, you know, with all the tools to be successful there. He's kind of got that, that alpha dog mentality. And, you know, I think the team USA figured out, figured that out. Um, And sure it wasn't, the biggest names in the world on that team, but that were pretty like pretty good, pretty established guys on that team. And yet Anthony Edwards, they all determined this is the guy, you know? Um, and so going into this season, especially after the season he had last year, I think the sky's the limit for him. And if Minnesota is able to deploy him correctly and kind of, you know, scheme the offense around him rather than trying to make it about cat or you know or whatever then i think that he he can rise up even higher on this list but we put we put him at number 23 um he could definitely be higher after a really good year i think his year last year the off season he deserves to be in the top 25 but i mean his potential is to be number one on the list there's no question about that for me um, it's just a matter of, can he continue, you know, working hard and not just letting his talent carry him, but continue to put in the effort it, it takes to be the best. Um, and it looks like, you know, from when he first got into the league to now, he's kind of figured that out, uh, in a way of like, I, I need to, you know, I really need to get my shit together. Um, and if I do, then I can reach this next level. Cause I think up to that point, it's kind of like that kid who never studies and then kind of one class kicks his butt. And then it's like, Oh wait, maybe I, I actually have to study and put in the work now. Um, so any, all that to say, Anthony Edwards, I love him. I really like watching him play. Um, and I'm excited to, to see what he does the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's been a decent history of players playing for Team USA for the first time, and then that follow-up NBA season is off, like ends up being an explosive year for them. And I don't see any reason why Anthony Edwards can't be that next one. So we have him at 23 right now. Obviously, that's like, you know, maybe maybe he crashes. Maybe that doesn't work out, and we take him off maybe he skyrockets because of that and we move him up even further we'll see but i feel like yeah you know the mid 20s or early 20s is pretty good spot for him right now three games into the season moving on to someone that has been removed from the list it's demar derozan and this is tough because you know, we like DeRozan, 
DeRozan is still a good basketball player. You know, nothing bad has happened. It's just that, you know, the production is starting to decline. The wins aren't coming and other players are ascending. Like, I hate to skimp on the analysis, but sometimes it is that simple where like we look at his stats and we go, you haven't fallen off a cliff, but you're not doing like as well. And you're not like your play isn't convincing enough for us to say that we'd rather have you like we kind of alluded to this earlier, but like you look at like take Anthony Edwards, who would you rather have going into this season? Anthony Edwards or DeMar DeRozan? It's like pretty convincingly Anthony Edwards and Edwards is at 23. Like that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Now, can DeRozan have a great season this year? Yeah, sure. Uh, If he can combine that with like, you know, I'm not even saying the Bulls have to like make a playoff push, but can they like flirt with the playoffs? Can DeRozan be the reason that they're at least moderately competitive? Yeah, DeRozan can find his way back. You know, he's getting on in years, but he's not like ancient, you know, Uh, even if his game was made for a previous generation more so than this one. But yeah, sometimes it is that simple where like it's not his fault. He's doing fine, but this isn't the list of the fine players in the league. This is the list of like the guys that you actively want or wish you had. And if I'm like speaking as a Hawks fan, like, you know, I'm looking at when I look at the top 25, I'm like, oh, I would love to have one of these guys. I would love to trade for one of these guys. I wish we had, but I don't lose sleep. I mean, not that I really lose sleep over any of that, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sitting up like wishing we had DeRozan right now. And that sounds harsh, but that's just kind of the reality of it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, DeRozan just turned 34 um for me it's it's the the lack of team success um you know it's it's kind of a a tough look when and it's not all his fault but it's, it's a tough look when you get traded away and then the team wins the championship with the guy that they traded to replace you you go to the spurs you know you you add a different element to your game all of a sudden you're kind of the the primary playmaker or at least like co-primary playmaker for their offense but you're not really like you're the team is not very good you know you end up signing with the bulls partnering up with zach levine um you know you've got vucevic lonzo we all know that that sad story um and so it's just kind of tough being like for for demar because we just haven't really seen his you know, individual stats and success translate to team success. And for a lot of these other players, we have seen that to a particular degree. And even if we haven't, they're a lot younger and the ceiling is a lot higher. Like at this point, we know what we're going to get from DeRozan. It's going to be like 20 to 25 points around five rebounds, around five assists, not great defensive numbers. Um, but like fairly efficient shooting, but again, not as much of a threat from the three, uh, three point line. And, you know, it's, that's great, but there are a lot of other players that I think can affect the game in in more ways and who are just younger. So sorry, Damar. Um, 
maybe you'll prove us wrong and have a great season and the Bulls will actually, you know, defy expectations even after having a players only meeting after the first game of the season. I mean, what what a <laughs> what a look that is. Um but yeah, so the guy that I wanted to talk about requires even less analysis. That's John Morant. Um, we had John Morant at number 12 going into the playoffs of last year's, or when the last time we did this, which was going into the playoffs. And how do you put a guy in the top 25 when you don't know if he's actually going to play? Um, now, I mean, number one, suspended for like what like 25 games of the season or something um i mean that again that's 25 games you know he's not going to play and who knows can can he keep his hands off of these guns like dude just what's more important to you you know um so hopefully he gets his priorities figured out um when we were creating the list and we were you know deciding who's going to be on who's going to be off all of that. We also came up with an honorable mentions list um, with some guys like DeMar DeRozan um, and a few other guys that we'll mention at the end. But I was like, well, I don't think that we should put him in the honorable mentions, but maybe the dishonorable mentions is John Morant because there's absolutely no excuse for him to not be on the list. So he is the sole member of the dishonorable mention club uh, of this <laughs> this edition of, of the rankings. I really hope the best for him. He's obviously one of the most exciting players to watch in the league when he's playing. Um, so hopefully this really, like him watching his team play for 25 games to start the season, um, you know, hopefully it's not three strikes and you're out for him because um, he's already on strike two. So um, we'll see. But until further notice, he can't be in the top 25, even though he would be there on talent. We were willing to make concessions for guys whose injuries have prevented them from playing full seasons. We ain't doing that for decisions. Like, uh-uh. You have to get back and play basketball before we put you on this list. This is the like the Mike and Dave top 25 NBA players is the pinnacle of success. The greatest achievement that a basketball player could aspire to earn. We don't take this lightly. John Morant, get your act together. Honestly. Um, with that, let's move into the last mini segment of this. Um, and we're each going to talk about one player who is not currently in the top 25, but we feel like could make the top 25 with a great season. And if they continue on their current trajectory, so, Mike, who do you have as potentially cracking this list, you know, come playoff time? One of the names that came to me while we were discussing this earlier, like, okay, we have our 25, and this guy's got to be, like, top 30 then. Drew Holiday. It's no secret that we're a big fan of Drew Holiday on the Mike and Dave podcast. It is a a crime a miscarriage of awards handouts that Drew Holiday has not in his career since 2009 won a Defensive Player of the Year award. It's insulting that they finally give it to a guard and it isn't him when 
the NBA, like players across the country, every time they talk about great defense, whose name do they bring up first? It's not Marcus Smart. It's not Rudy Gobert. It's not Jaron Jackson. It's Drew freaking Holiday. This is the most versatile, the most tenacious defender that the league has to offer. He's always snubbed for Defensive Player of the Year. And what's more, he's highly efficient on offense. Like, Drew Holiday's the perfect guy on your team. Like, this is the guy I want the Hawks to have. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm sorry. Like, not to just, like, keep shitting on DeRozan. But, like, Drew Holiday is older. I'm almost positive they were in the same draft class. But, like, age aside, Drew Holiday is a guy I actively think about, like, what if the Hawks could get him somehow? Because he, like, because his play style, his, like, what he brings to the court actively affects winning. Drew Holiday is a winning team member who does everything you need from him on both sides of the court highly efficiently and often without praise. Now, it will be tough, I think, for Drew to stand out individually enough this season, being on a team with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kristaps Porzingis. That's going to be tough. You know, like, the stats are probably not going to be there. And thus, like, at the end of the season, it's pretty unlikely that he cracks the top 25. But I'll be damned if we are another, like, at any size or whatever, if we're another outlet that doesn't praise Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a hard thing because I don't think Drew Holiday is going to lead a team to a championship. Um, And it's, like... I think at best he's the number two option on a championship winning team, probably the third option like he was with the Bucks. Um, but that's just, you know, offensively, obviously defensively, he's going to be the leader of the team in that regard. And so that's why we, you know, we were so, um, we, we, we praised the, the Celtics and Brad Stevens so much for bringing him on. And that's why he ha- he had so much interest. Like, Wait, Drew Holiday's available? We want to get him. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard, who we have ranked at number seven, um, one of the best players in the NBA bar none, it took forever for them to get a deal done with him. I know that the circumstances were different, but how many teams were jumping at the bit when they found out that Drew Holiday was available? There were a lot of teams from, from what I read there were a lot of teams that were interested and I don't blame them because that's the kind of guy that you want on your team. If you want to win games. Um, and he is a proven winner. He's a proven performer. And you know, that's the kind of guy you want. So like his stats aren't going to wow you, but I feel like that's part of the appeal. He doesn't really care as much about the stats. He cares about the wins. And you know, we have a lot of respect for guys like that. So I'm going to talk about another guard who I think has the potential to make it. And that's Tyrese Maxey. So James Harden, we didn't really talk about him to this point. We had him at 24. Um, he dropped out of the the list, obviously. Who knows exactly what's going to happen with him. But I think that Maxey has the capability to put up 
Harden-like numbers for the Sixers and really make them not miss him at all. Um, This is a guy who, coming into the league, he's improved every year. His three-point shot, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league now. And I actually watched... um, you know, a, a segment of JJ Reddick's podcast where he talked with Tyrese Maxey about his improvement. And, you know, it was, Maxey was basically like, if I came into the game and missed a shot, then it just threw me all off. Cause I felt like I had so much pressure to make every shot when I came on the court because I wasn't starting because my place wasn't, um, wasn't secure. And now that he has obviously a lot more run, a lot more, trust in him um, by the coach he's been able to shine and just kind of play free and easy and not have to worry about it as much and we've seen the results I mean this is a guy who shoots over 40 percent from three um, is one of the fastest players in the league with the ball in his hands and yes he needs to focus more on defense his defense is not the best if he can turn that up though then I think he definitely has a chance to get into the top 25 and he's not going to have at least from what it seems He's not going to have James Harden in front of him, hogging the ball, stealing some of his opportunities. He's going to be able to shine alongside Embiid. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with, you know, this additional responsibility that they're giving him. So I I love me some Tyrese Maxey. I think he's really fun to watch. And I would not be surprised if, you know, he, along with Embiid, lead the Sixers to a pretty good record. Um, and he kind of shows that he's, you know, he's ready for the top 25, kind of like Anthony Edwards, um, Anthony Edwards did this year. Agreed. I think, yeah, especially like with Harden, probably not going to get in the way. Like that's huge for his development and he's been great already anyway. Like, yeah, the door is open for him. Now he just has to run through it at full speed <laughs> yes yeah. to just highlight a couple of other players we had in the honorable mentions we had we talked about laurie Markinen a little bit uh out there in utah talked about jaron jackson jr on the grizzlies and mccall bridges um who has a chance to shine more on the nets uh with more responsibility for a full season um talked about availability earlier we know he's not missing any games he still has yet to miss a game in his career gotta love it um and he started to prove as of last year that he's not just a two-way role player like not just your standard run-of-the-mill three and d but he actually has some creating abilities we just need to see that for a season but be on the lookout Mm -hmm. and one other guy desmond bain as well we talked about um I kind of see him in, in that same mold of, you know, John Moran's not going to be there uh, for the first part of the season. And we've already talked about Desmond Bain improving on points, rebounds, and assists every single year since he's been in the league. He got that big uh, extension as well. So they obviously believe in him. I think that he is just going to continue to get better and better. And he is a guy who you can count on being out there pretty much every night as well. So the fact that, you know, if John Morant comes back and is able to, uh, you know, keep his hands off the guns, then theoretically the Grizzlies could have three top 25 players if Jaron Jackson is also able to just grab some more freaking rebounds. Like, come on, man. Um, 
and you know improve his offensive game as well they could end up with three guys in the top 25 you know starting next year where we don't have we have a lot of duos on uh, on our top 25 list um, we have quite a few of them but we don't have any teams that have three guys so it could be interesting the grizzlies could be the first and all those guys are really young too which obviously bodes really well for them moving forward but again it all hinges on can jaw figure out um his stuff and you know be available for his team so that's going to wrap up this segment um obviously people love like people have a lot of strong opinions about these kinds of lists so if you have one of those then feel free to comment um on that post that we made um or just you know dm us or whatever and let us know your thoughts i mean at the end of the day everybody has their own opinion but i'm sure that there are going to be some lebron fans that are like, wait, you have him ranked nine? You have SGA ahead of LeBron? Are you crazy? And like, we'd be happy to to, to talk about that and explain why. Um, but with all that to say, uh, when we come back, we're going to get into not the hot seat actually, but we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, and then of course, the fun fact. Okay, like Dave said, we're going to do something a little different this episode. In place of the hot seat, we have something positive for a change. So instead of the hot seat, we have the heated seat, which we were talking about a little bit earlier. Like, isn't it interesting how hot seat is like, oh, you don't want to be there. You done messed up. But heated seat is like a nice little luxury. You know, when you're getting your new car, you're like, oh, it has heated seats. How nice. I would, I would like to sit in that. So, you know. Nice little semantic difference there. But anyway, debuting here on episode 67, it's the heated seat. So this is a nice story that came out from college football. Uh, Dave is actually the one that sent it to me in the first place about a week ago. So I want to let Dave talk about something nice for a change. Yeah, I mean, I saw this story and I was like, you know what? I feel like a lot of a lot of the time on the hot seat we're just highlighting when athletes do something you know stupid or they make a bad decision or you know whatever the case might be and we sit here and talk about it and rightfully so because that is newsworthy but you know there's also the 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 coin flip of that to where there's actually a lot of heartwarming and like kind gestures that are being made by athletes as well and this one in particular really stood out to me so this story actually came out a couple months ago i just happened to stumble a uh, stumble across it the other week but eastern michigan university football um there's a senior named brian dooley who's on scholarship there and um he's an offensive lineman and he plays with a walk-on named Zach Conti. And um, Conti, like I said, he's a walk-on, um, deserves a scholarship at this point because he's been playing really well since 2019. Um, but the school has a limit on how many scholarships they they have you know, they can get from the NCAA. And so he was never able to get a scholarship. Um, and unfortunately, that meant that he had to work multiple jobs to pay his tuition. 
Um, he sold his plasma as well, just trying to make ends meet. Um, not to mention his, his mom needs a kidney donor and he's been supporting her through, you know, a difficult time as well. So by all accounts, really hardworking guy, you know, has his priorities in the right places and all that kind of stuff. Um, but unfortunately he was thinking about potentially walking away from football, um, you know, for his senior year this year, because it was just really difficult due to, you know, financial reasons. So, um, so Dooley, who, you know, was on full scholarship, everything as a grad student decided that he was going to give up his scholarship so that Conti could basically stay on the team. Um, and so he worked with the coach and they, they worked everything out and then they announced it in front of the whole team that, you know, that Dooley was going to give his scholarship up so that Conti could have it. And it was just one of those things where like, I mean, other than the fact that that's like thousands and thousands of dollars that he's basically going to have to pay um, to save his friend from doing it. But I mean, what a, a, a show of character. Um, and honestly, by both of those guys that, you know, one of them felt confident enough to, and, you know, felt like the other guy deserved it enough to, to make that sacrifice. And the other guy was doing everything he could, you know, to stay afloat and doing the right things. And then he ended up getting rewarded for it. So really heartwarming video. Um, and honestly, just one of those stories where it's like, you know, college students don't necessarily always get the best rap. Um, but this is one of those cases where like, you, you just have to give them both credit. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those stories that really stuck out to me. And I was like, man, I really want to talk about this on the podcast because I think that when when people do things like this, it, it really deserves attention. Um, so shout out to both of these guys in Eastern Michigan for making it all happen. We don't do this often or pretty much ever, but stuff like that, you know, the humanitarians in us really want to highlight, you know, while it's easy to laugh at people doing stupid stuff or, you know, go off on people doing bad things. It's important to remember that good things happen too, that there are good people out there that like these good stories, while may not while they may not get as many clicks, deserve attention. And so I think it's great. It's a good privilege to be able to talk about those good things. And I think it's like it's great. I think Brian Dewey deserves a ton of credit here for like making that sacrifice because materially speaking, that is a big sacrifice. You know, it's not just like, oh yeah, you know, like oh, I guess I'll do that. Like he's taking on a big price there in in doing that. Like, like I, it's just a really selfless act for someone that he cares about, which you know you can't really say enough about. On that note, it's been a while since we've learned something. What is it going to be for episode 67? Well, you all going to learn today. Um, first of all, I don't want to say that this fun fact is the same as the guy giving up his scholarship for his teammate, but um, it is something to, to look forward to. So I appreciate that. Um, okay. So as this has kind of been, you know, in the news recently about, um, you know, specifically also here in Georgia about 
you know, some restaurants being given Michelin stars, um, which as most of you probably know, that's like probably the highest award that restaurants can get is, you know, having one, two or three Michelin stars or whatever. And they have other awards too, but it's a really big thing. And interestingly enough, you know, you hear Michelin star and you're like, huh, is it like Michelin, like the tires? But like, that's, that's, that can't be right. I guess it's, that's a coincidence. It is in fact, not a coincidence. And here's a little history lesson as to how Michelin got into ranking restaurants in the first place. So it's the early 1900s. Um, people are starting to actually, you know, buy cars and it's, it's getting to the point where, you know, more and more people are actually having cars of their own and Michelin decides that they're going to start reviewing restaurants so that more people would travel further distances to eat at the restaurants, which in turn would wear down their tires more and cause them to buy more tires. So yes, the the highest culinary achievement and reward that restaurants can get today is all because Michelin came up with this marketing stunt to try and get people to drive more often so that they could sell more tires. I could not believe my eyes when I read that and when I learned that, but wow, what what a revelation and honestly pretty smart so they would do you know the different stars um basically on whether or not it was it was worth driving to the restaurant a certain distance so one star was just a very good restaurant in its category two stars excellent cooking worth the detour and three stars exceptional cuisine worth a special journey i mean you got to give it up to Michelin. That's great marketing. And now somehow it's morphed into the biggest award that restaurants can get for the, the best restaurants in the world. I am flabbergasted. Michelin, you, you money hungry bastards. That is amazing. Like what? Come on. That is, I'm like genuinely torn between like, wow, like that worked. And like, wow, that's like, I don't fully know how to express that. Like, I'm shook. Yeah. Well, it's just one of those things where I feel like a lot of people have probably been like, huh, Michelin, that's weird. And then just like, that's, that's, it's kind of stopped there. Um, and I was the same way, but when I learned that, I was like, okay, this has 100% got to be the fun fact because it blew my mind. Um, and it's honestly just kind of crazy how like things can progress and evolve in ways that nobody could have anticipated to, you know? So shout out to Michelin because it ended up working out really well for him. That, yeah, that is just, wow. <laughs> I got him, ladies and gentlemen. 
He doesn't know what to say. I finally did it with one of my fun facts. Okay. Yeah. I I don't have much else to say. That's wild. Uh, so, yeah, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod uh, if you enjoyed that fun fact as much as I did. Even if you didn't, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. You'll have to go there to see our full top 25 anyway. So while you're there, we know you're going. Drop that like, subscribe, share, follow, do all the positive things, do none of the negative things. Unless you're commenting on our post to trash our opinions, which is accepted but not encouraged. Um, That's fine. But yeah, like Mike said, you're already there. Might as well do it. But yeah, we appreciate all of you listening. Um, To be honest, this is a great time to be a sports fan. NFL and college football are in full swing. The NBA has just gotten started. It's the World Series, and it doesn't involve the Phillies or the Astros. I mean, it doesn't involve the Braves. But, you know, that's it, that's a win for the majority of America. So, it's honest. And if you're, if you're into hockey, that's also started. If you're into soccer, it's about to be the MLS playoffs. Not to mention, you know, like the Premier League and all the leagues in Europe are underway too. So, like, honestly, end of October, great time to be a sports fan. So, we're hoping that you guys are enjoying that just as much as we are and the cooler weather of course that comes along with that um and we will see you in a couple weeks for the next episode yep so episode 68 will be coming out on november 17th so won't want to miss that we'll figure out what we're doing before then until then this has been mike this has been dave and you've been listening to the mike and dave podcast 